That's it. Man, it is, um, it's an honor to stand up here and to present what I believe that God has shown me for, not only for myself, but one for the Capital C Church. And so I want to say today, thank you, pastors, Drew and Pastor Kristen, for allowing me the opportunity to stand up here and present what the Lord has been speaking to my heart over the last probably month and a half, but also like wrecked me yesterday and changed everything and I had to rewrite everything. So it's fresh. My wife says, I thought you were done. I was like, I was, <laughs> but aren't you glad for the unction of the Holy Spirit? And so, but thank you so much. Honored to stand here with the Lord has given you to lead and direct and allow me to stand here for this week. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Can we thank our pastors? And thank you, uh, this is not in my notes and wasn't supposed to be here, but thank you to Don for taking a vacation that me and my son got to lead together this weekend. So I'm excited for that. You're supposed to be on vacation, but uh, he is. He, he, gets, he just got wrecked, so that's good. Uh, but I, I'm no different than pastor uh, as far as honoring God's word. Uh, I believe that we can stand and we can shout and we can cheer and we can honor different things in our lives. But the most important thing that we need to honor is the word of the Lord because this is our roadmap. And so I'm gonna ask if you would stand to your feet as we read today's passage that we're gonna pull from. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20 in the ESV version reads this way. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to stand in this house and to declare your goodness. God, help me articulate what you want said today. Move Brad's ideas and Brad's thoughts out of the way and Holy Spirit, you lead us, you guide, you season the words and you season our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You could be seated. So today, as we're continuing on, I chose to continue on with pastor's title from last week, All In, All Year. I stole it. I was like, hey, do you mind? He's like, no, go for it. I was like, cool, send me your graphics. <laughs> so I stole his, not only did I steal his title, I stole his graphics too. But I believe that these go hand in hand. Last week, pastor talked to us about Peter and getting out of the boat and step, taking a step of faith and trusting the Lord with things and the things that he's calling us to do. But I believe that not only is that important, I also believe that there is something that is so important in this time and this hour that I feel like I was searching the Lord, like, Lord, I started about mid-December. Lord, what do you want for Brad? Not Brad and Mandy, not the Winkle household. Sometimes you got to get something for yourself. 
Sometimes you got to like, hey, this is for me. Not only does God have a call, not only on our family and our marriage, but he has a call on us individually. And like, hey, God, what do you want me to do? Because I go places. Hang on. I'm speeding up. Uh, I go places that she don't go and you go places that I don't go. And so, Lord, what do you want me to do this year? And uh, about six or seven years ago, the Lord gave me a very definitive call. And uh, I was like, okay. And so this last month or so, I've been like, Lord, what, what? And he's like, I already, I already told you, bro. That's how God talks to me. I already told you, bro. Like, I gave it to you a long time ago. It doesn't change. It, it, it's the same thing. Just, just, just do it, right? How many of you like when God just like, just do it, right? I've already given it to you. And this is the thing that God spoke to me a few years ago. He said this, don't forget to be the church outside of the four walls that you are in here. And I was like, oh, but I'm dignified. You're going to get a little bit more. I got a little bit more time. Appreciate that. I'm, I'm dignified. I'm, I'm good. I, I, I'm all put together in here, and I can act one way in here. Oh, praise the Lord. No, I'm blessed and highly favored. Oh, the Lord is on my side. No, I go through trials. And I, I come in here, and, I, and I'm giving everything to the Lord, and I'm victorious, but I go out in the world, and I act defeated and put down and ashamed and, and just do different things. I, I, I come in here, and I talk about the goodness of God, and I go out there and talk about all my problems and shames and worries. Hmm. You see, this is a great reminder that we have been given a call. We've been put, there's been a, a call that's been put on our lives, not only as, as Lifehouse Church, but as the capital C church, right? This is not just a word that is given to this individual location, but it's given to a world, right? And so what I, what I want to share with you is this is a little bit of backstory where that came from. If you don't know my, our, our story, we pastored a church in a town in California. It's called Turlock. Population is 76,000 and about 700-ish. Uh, average church size was about, I'm talking fast. I know I want to get through these details because like, there's so much more, right? There's average church size is about 76 people. So let me tell you this. There was 51 churches in that city of 76,000. So the percentage of, I'm going to do this, Christians was 0.001. Wow. So the Lord gave me those words because we were acting one way in the church, but we were acting different. And I, and I believe that it's not just in 2019, but it's also in 2024 that we need to start to change our perspective of how we go into our marketplace. What is your marketplace? Well, uh, what about when you go into Walmart? What about when you go into Target? What about when you go into the grocery store? How many of y'all need some Holy Spirit help in that place, right? <laughs> Right? Like, we need help in those situations. What about when you go to work and you got that coworker that is just, what Paul calls it, what do you say, the thorn in my side? Right? Right? Uh, how about that person? What about when you go home after a long day of work and there's a long task of things that need to be done? Are you the same then as you were five minutes ago? I might step on toes, I might not pastor will clean it up next week <laughs> but see the lord really challenges us not just then but today too 
Are you the same person? Do you carry the same attitude? Do you carry the same perspective? Because the hard part is this. We live in a post-Christian society. How do you know that? Well, let me ask you this. My, I was showing my wife my notes, and she's like, you probably should make sure that these facts are true for Tennessee. I said, great, I'll ask the question. Gotcha. Right? Do we pray in schools anymore? No. Is in God we trust challenge to come off of our currency? Yeah. Do we, do we is praying, saluting the flag to God, is, is that in question still? Good, good. Stall range too. So we live in a post Christian society, which means this there is a group of, as a generation and a group of people that will grow up that have no absolute clue who Jesus is. And yet, we, dignified Christians, sit in a building or in our houses and say, When is this going to end? Are you guys ready for this thing to end? That's a trick question. Don't raise your hand. I learned that from the first service, so I can quickly. But see, here's the deal. We sit around and we wait for, God, would you just send the eject button? Would you just send the eject button? Get me out of here. Let me be like Enoch. Let me walk with God. And then I was not. Right? Like, that would be great. Like, if the Lord wants to take me, that would be great. Okay? But... The problem is this, we are sitting around waiting for it all to end, for the eject button to come, and we're going, hurry up, Lord, hurry up, Lord, hurry up, Lord, when we have friends and family members and people that we rub shoulders with at work that have never heard the word or the name of Jesus. They've never, they, they don't even know who Jesus is. They, they couldn't tell you if he was a good person or a great person, what ethnicity he was. They just know that's a name. But the problem is we sit around waiting for the eject button when we got a call on our life. We've got a mandate that the Lord not just gave to the disciples on that mountain. He actually says, go. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's three calls. I appreciate that. There's three calls that the Lord gives us in this passage of scripture. But before I do that, let, let me say this. Parents, I'm mixing this up. Parents, any, parent, any parents in the house, right? Any of y'all wanna be a parent? Someday, uh, awesome, sweet, okay, more. So parents in the house, let me ask you this question. Students, this would be good for you to learn if you're here. If your parent says, go and make your bed, what do you expect your child to do Go and what? Make your bed. Wow. If your child, right now, yeah, right now. If your child choose to go in their room and hang out in their bed, were they obedient? Hmm. Partial obedience is disobedience, just so you know. What if your child decided to go outside when you told them to go make their bed? Is that what you called them to do? No. So... Why do we sit back in Matthew 28, 19 when Jesus says, go and make disciples? And we're like, we'll go, but I don't know about the discipleship part. When we got a world that is a post-Christian society, and we think that, Lord, just give us the eject button. Let it be easy for me. Was it easy for him? So why do you think it's going to be easy for you? Let me move on. 
So here's, here's the first call that I believe that the Lord is saying in this passage of Scripture. He says this, it's a call into action. Go, therefore, and make. So when you tell your child to go and make, you expect them to go and make. But yet it's not, for us, it's a little different. It's a little different when it comes to us that we, we'll go. I don't know about that make part. I love these two words in this passage because go and make are both action words. They cause us or calling us to do something. And yet we're waiting for the eject button to have to appear in front of us. The truth is most of us really don't like to go and make. If we're truly being honest today. Because what we want is we want to come into this house and make pastor present us a word so that we can go and feel good about ourselves and live our lives outside of here, but never go and make. Get it? Hmm. But see, God gave Jesus authority over heaven and earth, and on the basis of that authority, Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples as they preached. Now, let me tell you, preaching just doesn't only happen right here. Preaching also happens out there. And as we go into our lives, as we go where we go, we should be preaching the gospel. We should be sharing the love that we have for Jesus. Let me move on. He said, disciples, as they preached, baptized, and taught, with the same authority, Jesus still commands us to tell others the good news, and make disciples. As I was listening to some podcasts this last week, I came across a podcast that was talking about this very thing and talking about evangelism. Like, we, we think that evangelism is sought for the elites, right? Like, there's, a, there's an evangelist. His name is Louis Palau. He's, anybody know Louis Pillow? I know you do. Some of us do, right? And he's, he's kind of on that, in that same like thread. He, you're going to know this name, Billy Graham. Okay. So yeah, that was like, yeah, we know that one, right? So, so Billy Graham did, did a lot of great things. And Louis Pillow is kind of in that same thread of, of evangelist and reaching the lost. You would not find it lost to find him in another country speaking to about 100,000 people, 25,000 people at any given time. Right? And so, like, sharing the gospel. But also, you would find him on his deathbed ministering to his nurses. One-on-one. -on -one. In, in this interview, his son Kevin is, is sharing an account of his life. And he says, he says in an interview, my, my dad was asked, why do you share with everybody? And here's what Louis Palau said. I believe that the good news is still good news. And it has the power to change people's lives. So if the good news is still good news, and it has the power to change people's lives, why do we sit back and only do one portion of the call? If it still has that same power to free us, to rescue us, to have the power to save Jesus from hell, does it have the same power to free and rescue our coworkers? Let me also free you of this. That power of salvation doesn't ride on us. That salvation doesn't depend on you. 
It's not up to you to, for salvation. You have no power over salvation. How do I know that? Let me show you in scripture. That's the best way to find truth. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. It says this. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no, no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I can't give salvation. You can't give salvation. All we can do is go. And in the first service, I tricked a couple people, so I'm going to warn you. Don't raise your hand on this one, okay? Uh, have you ever heard that the saying, live your, live your life. Wait, let me get it right. Let me get it right. Uh, preach, your, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Don't raise your hand, but just nod because that way I could see if you heard that one. Yeah, 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 right? That's not what Jesus calls us to do. Like, how do I go and live my life in such a way that people will see Jesus, but I never speak about the goodness of God? I never share the things that God has called us to do. And so, in the first service, I had a couple people raise their hand. I'm like, oh, wait, not a good answer. So, like, if you've heard that, listen, yes, and... That's not the stop. That's not where we stop. We've got to live our lives in such a way that people will be drawn to us. But we also need to live our lives in such a way that people will hear what the words coming out of our mouths. I, I spoke this message a long time ago. And forgive me, I was still working out my walk with the Lord. But uh, anybody ever watched the movie Sixth Sense? Right. And there's a line in that movie where the young boy makes, it's a little morbid, but the Lord spoke to me, so talk to him. He says, he said, I see dead people. And I was like, oh, wow. I see, now he's talking about physical, but do you see dead people spiritually? Do you walk close with the Lord and see people like, hey, those people need to hear about the goodness of God. That person needs to see the goodness of God. I need to live my life in such a way as, that is called into action to go and make. Well, that make disciple portion is a second call that God has given to us. It says this, God has called us into mentorship. Verse 20 says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Mentorship. Mentorship. Now, I'm going to have you come up in a minute. You're going to be my illustration again. But mentorship. Pastor, that's your job. It's your call to mentor people. That's your job as a leader. That's my job as a leader to mentorship. Wait a minute. Hmm. I don't see it. I don't see where it says only the leadership are called to mentorship. I don't see anywhere in scripture where just the leaders are called to discipleship. Why is disciple and mentorship so important today? 
It's because we have a generation, a group of people that don't know who Jesus is. Luke chapter 10 says this, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them out ahead of in in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and make him to send and ask him to send more workers into the fields. Welcome to the party. We are those workers. And I love it that even in Genesis chapter 2, it starts right there where all the men are going to say amen to this one, so I need your help with a little bit, okay? In Genesis 2, God saw it wasn't good for man to be alone, so guess what he did? He sent him a what? A partner. In mentorship, working together. That's why, that's why the enemy wants to destroy the marriage. Why? Because it's in together. It's unity, working together. So let me ask Pastor, I'm going to have you come up here for a minute. Let me move on that one so I get back on the right spot. But like, okay, so here's an illustration, right? Pastor, don't flex on me this time. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I'm a believer. I share my faith with Drew. I'll just, for the sake of Drew. And Drew decides to make a decision to follow Jesus. Who's accountable for mentorship? Pastor Drew is. But I have relationships. If I've got relationship, guess what? It's my turn to link arms and mentorship. Because if I've given my life to Jesus and I'm one step ahead or many steps ahead, I, I, I've now had the opportunity to hear and, and follow the Lord for some time, right? Drew's decided today. So Drew gets done with today and Drew decides he's gonna go home and do whatever Drew used to do. Well, guess what my job is as a mentor? My job as a mentor is to help him stay and lead this way. But if I say, way to go, man. Congratulations. Have your best life. And he starts walking off, and I go this way. Drew has no understanding or how to hear the voice of God. He doesn't even understand what go and make disciples means. But I'm two or three steps ahead of him, and I'm like, oh, I know. Hey, come on, man. Let's link arms. This is what this means. Because when a, new, when a new believer gives their life to the Christ, they're not meant to go out and flounder on their own. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. I could, still, I could keep you up here, but it would just be for fun for me. Uh, <laughs> but when a new believer gives their life to Christ, they're, they're lost. What do I do now? But the elf said, what do I do with my hands? What do I do now? I've given my life to Christ. Drew's helped me follow Christ, and now all of a sudden I, I've surrendered, I've received salvation, but I'm left out here to, to flounder. No, 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 that's not what the call is. The call is to go and make. Both of them are action. They require us to move in a direction. And if we leave the, the new believer off to flounder by themselves, guess what? They're going to go back to their old behavior. Not knowing how to read scripture, not knowing how to hear the voice of God, not knowing or have the courage to say yes when God was telling them, hey, put that down. They're like, no, no, this feels good. No, no, no. How do we do it? Mentorship. What does that look like? Groups. Shameless plug. Right? Groups. 
living life with one another, inviting a new believer to hang out with you and your family and their family to join together, having them over for dinner, breaking bread together. Wow, that's a thought that the early church said on that and it worked for them. Wow, why don't we do it again? Hello? We are called to go and make disciples. Not only does it require us to go, but it requires us to make disciples. Guess what make disciples means? Make disciples. Partnership, mentorship, leading those who have just found who Jesus is. I love it that you can see in 1 Timothy and in 2 Timothy, Paul is giving illustrations to somebody, instructions, excuse me, to somebody how to lead. It's a great roadmap. Why do we walk away from it? He's walking with him, giving him letters of how to do it, how to live his life out, how to live leadership out. And I think that we can, can learn a lot from that. But see, here's the problem. Love you. Tuck your toes again. Appreciate it. The capital C has glorified one number, and that's the call of salvation. And we've forgotten the second call is the call to mentorship and discipleship. It's both. We need those to say yes to Jesus, and we need us to lead those closer to Jesus. It's not, it's together. It's a Two-way street. It goes back and forth. We need one and the other. And the problem is this. I didn't say this in the first service, so. We've glorified the number of salvations. We forgot the call of mentorship and discipleship. And now we have a generation of orphans saying, I believe Jesus. Whatever Jesus is. Whoever that is. I'm going to do what I want. A group of orphan so-called Christians not following the Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb that was slain for our sins. It's a call to action, and it's a call to mentorship. And the last thing is this. It's a call to partnership. The second part of verse 20 reads this. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a promise to those who are actively walking out the agreement to reach the lost. Go and make disciples, and I am with you. I don't know about you, but um, when, when we grew up, how many of you guys have older siblings? Right, older siblings. How many looked up to your older siblings? How many of you, like, didn't look up to your older siblings? I looked up to mine. So, like, uh, my brother had just passed away a couple weeks ago, and I spoke at his service, and uh, I talked about this, this idea of, like, my, like okay, uh, I'm not a big guy, if y'all didn't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm full grown. This is it. That's what you get. Right? Ta-da! Okay? And uh, in high school, I was a little bit smaller, shorter, just a little bit. But I was also a whole lot skinnier, if you could imagine that. Like 115 pounds, wearing a graduation gown, that, that was me, right? Looked like a dress, that was me, right? Okay, so 
that's how I grew up. I, I've been thin. I've been small my whole, whole life. It's got me in and out of trouble. Just, it's good. But the reason why it's got me out of trouble is I had an older brother who was five foot 10, 5'11", about 185, 190 pounds, middle linebacker for the varsity football team. I'm like, yeah. So guess what? I always had protection. I always had someone to cover me. I always had someone to protect me. Like, I gave my life to Jesus at 16, and it was a work in progress, still is. But before that, I was a fool because I had protection. I had somebody that was always there to fight my fight, to do my battle. I've never been in a fight in my entire life, thank God. I don't know if I'd win or lose. It would be a massacre probably, but here's the deal. I can do what I want and say what I wanted because not only did I go to a party or go hang out somewhere, I, I went not only by myself, I have my five foot 10 brother, also middle linebacker. I also had his five foot 12, six foot, there you go, uh, six foot, you know, <laughs> six foot outside linebacker. We also had the tight end. We also had the defensive back. We had everybody. And I'm like, I can run my mouth, do whatever I want. I was two years younger. They always protected me. Until one day that dude decided he wanted to graduate. <laughs> I'm on my own, right? Thank God he never leaves us alone. But let me tell you, that reassurance that I felt that I had protection and can do what I want and what I want. Now, trust me, it was not godly. Thank the Lord for grace and salvation. Now, if y'all have a, you don't have that story, praise God. Um, but I don't. As he left, I felt what it was like to have the covering taking off my life. I felt what it was like to have that protection removed from my life. And I'll tell you this, I'm so grateful that the Lord is not like you and me, that he cannot lie. His word says, behold, I will be with you to the ends of the age. Guess what? He's with you. He's protecting you. He's watching over you. This is a promise that is active to those who are actively um, actively pursuing the call that God placed on our lives. And here's the deal. It's not up to us. The continued partnership that we have today is through the empowerment of God in the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says this, but, I, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Throughout the journey of partnership with Christ, we have many opportunities to step out in faith. You see, as we live in this post-Christian world, if we're truly going to go all in this year, this is part of it. Not only can we ask God for courage and strength, but we also have to go and make our bed. We also have to do what he's asking us to do, which means, like, this is a great building that we come and worship God in, but this is not the church. Newsflash, okay? We are the church. And where we go, guess who goes with us? He goes with us. And if we are called to go and make disciples, and he said that as you go, I will be with you, do you think you go alone? No. Man, I just, I just don't know what to say. I, I, I just, 
How do you share share your faith? How how do you share the, the goodness of God? Has God done anything in your life? Salvation, there it is. I was lost, now I'm found. I was here, and now I'm not there, I'm over here. Now, I'm not where God wants me to be, but I'm not where I was. Now, here, here's the deal. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know how, how to reach people. Friend, can I tell you? We're all learning. Because every encounter is different. And the goodness of God has different words and different opportunities for you to share with different people because they need it. They need to hear different things that he's done in your life for them to step in to partnership with Christ and salvation. I, I think about it this way. As we go about our day, and if we are in true partnership with Jesus, we should live our lives in such a way that people are drawn to him by the actions and the words we say. But let me ask you this. Do we live our lives with eternity at the forefront of our mind? Oh, come here. You're going to have to stand there because you're taller than me. Come here. If I encounter him, and I'm the only Jesus he'll ever see, I'm the only representation that he'll ever see, and we walk away, and he'll never get to hear the name of Jesus again, he'll never get to hear the story of salvation again, the redemptive story of Jesus, and I'm it. If I don't live my life with his eternity here, And everywhere I go and everything I do and everything I say, I missed it. Thank God it's not up to me and he's sovereign and that's right. But what if? What if that is it? And then I live my life not in the what if moment. I I live my life in the if only moment. If only I would have shared something. If only I would have said about Jesus. If only I would have told him the goodness. If only I would have shared, God saved me when I was 16 in a basketball court with a youth pastor that came out and said, come inside and now you're crazy. If only I would have talked about that love that that man showed me that day that changed my life for eternity. Do you live, thanks buddy, do you live your life with eternity in the forefront of your mind? Do we live that way? If we're called to go and make disciples, if we're called to reach those that he has set us in community with. And it's not, salvation is not up to you. But the opportunity is presented to you. Do you live in such a way that I can't fail, Jesus is on my side. Because some are called to plant, some are called to water, and some are called to harvest. In every interaction we live our lives, we are in partner with Jesus to share the redemption story of him. Maybe you're the planter. Maybe you're the waterer. Maybe you get to lead someone to salvation through Jesus. Throughout the the time that we see, we struggle, right? Like, I don't know what to say. Guess what? You're not in Go to the disciples. Yo, Jesus, 
we're Jews. We don't go through Samaria. That's, that's a no-no. Like, what are we doing here? But Jesus knew that he had an assignment to talk to a woman at a well. I'm going to paraphrase John 4 for you really quick. And if you want to hear the whole story, go read it. Jesus encounters a woman at the well. He asked her for a cup, a drink of water. And she said, why do you Jew ask me, Samarian, for a cup, let alone a woman? How am I supposed to give you a drink? You don't have no pail to draw from. Story goes on and on and on. Jesus begins to share truth. You, do you know who I am? This is who I am. He reveals himself for the first time as the son of God. And then the disciples return. They had this interaction. All of a sudden in John chapter 4, verse 27, it reads this. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a, a woman. But none of them have the nerve to ask. Even the disciples, like, Ooh, we ain't going to say nothing. We, we, we don't want to talk about it. None of them had the nerve to ask this. What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling one person, everyone. Everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And she did a lot. Read the story. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Now, here's, here's the question. He's already revealed who he was to her. But she's asked, could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming to the village, from the village to see him. Listen, I've lived my, I don't know, 16, 42, 43, whatever, that life in this mindset. I will not be a come and see person. I will be a go and tell. I don't want to build a big building. I don't want to build a country club. I don't want to build this big thing, which is great, but I don't want to do that. I want to go and tell everybody I know about Jesus. I want to share the gospel. I want to reach out. I want those who I know to come and come. Yes, right. Listen, that is so important. But can I tell you, my theology on that has been questioned in this season because it, we cannot be just a go and tell without a come and see. We can't. And I'm like, man, no, no, I, I know. I've been wrong. Yes. Neither one are bad. You cannot be a go and tell or you cannot be just a come and see. You have to be both. You have to be both. You have to be a go and tell, which is go and make disciples. But you also have to be come and see a man that I knew, that I, that I met. He's, he told me everything I ever did. And y'all know I did some crazy stuff. Y'all know my story. It's not either or. It's both. We're not called to build a country club. We're called to build the army of God. And when you build an army, you build soldiers that will take up their shield of faith. That they will go and fight with the sword. 
Now let me very, make this very clear. The non-believer is not your enemy. And this sword should not be used to beat them over the head and cut them and tear them down. This is a sword for the enemy and that is not the non-believer. This sword is meant to fight the enemy and to declare the goodness of God of our lives. Go and tell, come and see. I'm gonna close with this story. Might be a little morbid, just hang tight. It'll get better, I promise. Have you ever had the opportunity to talk to someone on their deathbed? I'd never had that until my dad was on his deathbed. There was a time where it was about 15 days we were in the hospital. He was in and out between different things and different drugs they were trying to, to kind of sedate him with. And at one point, he kind of comes up a little bit and he says, I need to talk to my boys. See, there's three of us on the middle. Go figure. Uh, but here's what happened. We're all in the room and he sends everybody out. And he begins to talk to us three boys for a moment. And then one by one, he begins to speak to us. And we don't get to hear what each other heard. We just get to hear what he spoke to us. And there's three things that my dad spoke in that moment to me. For the first time in my life that I can remember, like poignant remember, he showed it, but for the first time in my life, I heard my dad say, I'm proud of you. And then he said, I believe in you. I believe that God has a call in your life and I believe that God's called you to do certain things. And the last one was this carry on the legacy see my dad also had a call of God on his life and served in ministry for some time but see these words that he spoke of to me weren't just words of affirmation there was a word and a mantle that was shifted and passed on and a call to action call to mentorship and a call to partnership and at that moment he placed something on my life. I don't know if you've ever had that moment. I don't know if you ever had that experience with anybody in your life where the mantle's been passed on. But can I tell you, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, or excuse me, 16 through 20 is that mantle being passed on. Verse 18 and 19 says this, and Jesus came and said, all authority and heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet for a moment. As the mantle was passed from Jesus to the disciples, also passed from Jesus to us to go and make disciples into all nations. 
That is that moment. If you've never had it, congratulations. There it is. If you've never had the moment of the mantle being passed, Jesus did it in Matthew 28. And today, it's happening. Not by my words, but by these words. I, I don't have that power. He does. He does. He has the call. He has the mandate. Maybe you're here today and you're like, hey man, dude up there with crazy hair and a beard and running around, sweating. But maybe you're here today and you're like, hey, I'm far from God. One, I'm not living for Jesus the right way. And two, maybe you've never asked Jesus in your life before. And today would be that day. There's another part that I'm different about. I did it in the first service, but I'm not going to do it in this one. Maybe today, you say, hey, I'm far from God. And I need Jesus to forgive me. If that's you, with every head up and every eye open, Jesus died in public a brutal death. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray with you. Yeah, now I got your heads, heads up. You're going to raise your hand. Come on. If that's you, you're saying, hey, I'm far from God and I need Jesus to forgive me. Awesome. Now here's the second call. That's great. Because you know what that means? Y'all are right with God. Now it's time to go. Y'all have made the declaration of salvation, of declaring Jesus as Lord of your life. There's no more excuses to go and make disciples. Maybe you're here today and you're like, hey, Brad, I need help. I need, I need help with doing this. I need to help with walking this thing out. And you're like, hey, I need that. Would you just raise your hand? My hand's raised. I need help. I need help on how to live my life according to what God called me to do every day. Man, I mess up every day. I fall short every day. But by the goodness of God, He is faithful to see me through. Father, today, with those who have their hands raised, as we raise our hands towards you, God, I pray that you would give us the strength and the boldness to step out in faith and to do what you've called us to do, to step in to an action lifestyle, to go and make disciples, to step into a mentorship mentality, and to step in and walk in partnership with you, that you've called us to do this. You will not leave us nor forsake us. Just as you told Joshua, you will not abandon us, Lord. That is your promise to us. And so, Lord, help us be followers of you who mentor and lead people towards you with our action and our partnership. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.